Good morning. It is good to be with you. I've been gone the last couple of weeks, so it's good to be back home and back here. It's been good, good, good. And today we're up to chapter, well, the end of chapter six and going into seven, eight, and nine. And those chapters, if you know your book of Exodus, are dealing with the plagues. God sent 10 plagues to the, the, the uh, Pharaoh during that time. We're going to talk about the first nine today. Ten plagues, that's the, the game plan for today. Nine of the ten plagues we're going to talk about today. Next week we'll talk about the tenth plague and the Passover and all of that. So today, though, up to nine, it begins in chapter six, where, where God goes to Moses. It's on page, I don't know what page it is, 26. He says this, the end of chapter six. He says, I am the Lord. Speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I will say to you. But Moses said before the Lord, behold... I am a man of uncircumcised lips. How shall Pharaoh heed me? Now, we're, we're using the New King James Version. And so sometimes the language in the New King James Version gets a little wonky. That's what this, uh, uh, the journal is in the New King James. And this is a place where that gets a little wonky because it says, what does it mean? Uncircumcised lips? What are we talking about? I don't know anatomy, but I don't think it's lips. And so what in the world? And the... So, so some of the other translations are a little better. The New Living Translation says, I'm a clumsy speaker. The NIV says, I have faltering speech. The Message Version, I stutter. The New American Standard Bible, I am unskilled in speech. The New English Translation, I speak with difficulty. All that to say, Moses is, God comes to Moses. Moses, I got a great job for you. You need to go to speak to Pharaoh. And Moses gives his excuse why he can't. Now, either it's he has a speech impediment like the message version implies, I stutter, something along those lines. Or maybe he was a reluctant speaker. I don't like to speak in public. I don't want to go to, to Pharaoh. I can't do it. Either way, Moses is giving uh, 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 excuses why he can't do what God is calling him to do. And chapter 7 then goes into God telling Moses, well, yes, you can. If I've called you to do something, then yes, you can. If it's from me, it's not bad pizza from the night before. It's not your grandma telling you you should do this. It's not, but you know, you know, you know, it's from God Almighty. And I'm calling you. Then yes, you can. Whatever the task, yes, you can. If I'm calling you, I will enable you. I will empower you. I will, I will help you every step of the way. Yes, you can, Moses. Yes, you can. That's the point here. Moses is saying, God, you got the wrong guy. I can't do it. I can't. Yes, you can, Moses. Yes, you can. So God calls Moses. Moses, I should say, I need to say it at this point, I guess, Moses is 80 years old. And he tells him he can get help from his brother who's 83 years old. Wow! I remember when I was, you know, my kid's age, uh, uh, you know, 60 was old, but now it's not that old. In fact, I saw, when we were at General Assembly, I saw uh, uh, the pastor at Chicago First Church, which is a, a large church, like our church, he spent the night at our, he was friends with my son Alex, he spent the night at our house, and now he's pastor in Chicago, it made me feel so old. I was at, this made me feel really old, I was at Home Depot on Hill Road, we had bought some dirt, and I'm putting the dirt in the back of our car, you know, some bags of dirt in the back of our, our car, and I'm putting that in there, and this young guy with some kids, he comes up and says, sir, can I help you with that? I said, get out of here, I can do it. Man, I felt so old. 
Here God is calling 80, think of this, 80-year-old Moses and 83-year-old Aaron to go speak to the most powerful man in the world, Pharaoh. And what does that tell me? Dear 80-year-olds in the crowd, that tells me that God's not done with you. That tells me that, you know, in, in the Lord's army, you, do, you don't retire, you re-enlist. That there's always a place for you, no matter what your birth certificate says, there's always a place for you. In our church, you know, we have three big goals. Uh, uh, we believe that Jesus changes everything, we grow better together, and that we want to be the best neighbors. That grow better together is not just telling our young people that they are included and that this church is their church. It's also on the other end of the spectrum and saying to our older folks, hey, you're, we still need you. We're not, we're not putting you out to pasture. We still need you. We need your help. We need your wisdom. We need you to be a part of this community. We're not going to be the church we need to be unless we've got everybody praying and caring and sharing and working and serving and all those things together. So don't say, oh, I'm too old. He's 80 years old. His brother's 83 years old. Are you kidding? And, and God's not saying, listen, I want you to go sit in a rocking chair and knit some booties. He's saying, I want you to go to Egypt and kick some booties. That's really what he's saying. <laughs> Can I say that? All right. So that's what's going on. God tells these old geezers, <laughs> I shouldn't say, to go. And he tells them to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And of course, you know the story. Pharaoh says, no, are you kidding me? No, no, no. I need the, I'm trying to build some pyramids. I'm trying to build this empire. I've got a million slaves. No, no, no. I'm not going to let them go. And of course, in these chapters are these nine plagues. The, the Nile turns to blood. And then frogs. And then lice. Well, the New King James Version says lice. Uh, the NIV version says gnats. The New Jerusalem Bible says mosquitoes. The word in Hebrew is kind of ambiguous. Not sure. Is it, is it gnats? Is it mosquitoes? Is it Which is worse? I don't like gnats. Oh, my goodness. I don't like gnats flying around. Mosquitoes? Go to the UP. They're there. You know, I think they've been plagued. Uh, but lice. I think lice. Just mention it. Doesn't it make you want to scratch your head? When everybody tell, when somebody tells me, you know, a teacher tells me, yeah, a kid in my class had lice, it's like, I start scratching my head. I want to go wash my hair. I don't know what it was. Bad. All right, so Nile to blood, frogs, gnats, flies. I don't even, I can't sleep if there's even one fly in the room. Flies, and then, you know, death to the lives, dead cows, horses, camels, goats, boils, uh, hail. My wife, Carla's been praying for hail. She wants a new roof. Don't, don't tell my insurance guy. Sorry, Ryan. Don't, you know, she keeps saying, maybe if there was a hailstorm, we'd get a new roof. Hail. I don't think anyone was praying for that. Locusts. Darkness. Pharaoh was considered to be this, the son of the, of the god, the sun god Ra. And so that kind of like, you know, wiped out his glory because it was dark for, for several days there. Really, this is a contest between Pharaoh and God Almighty. And, and you know it's a contest because there in, in, in chapter 7 it says, But Pharaoh also called the wise men, the sorcerers, the magicians of Egypt, so they did in like manner with their enchantments. It, this is not, don't think of this as like Harry Houdini or David Copperfield or, I don't know, Chris Angel, some magician doing some little abracadabra. This is more the learned men of Egypt 
the uh, intelligentsia, that he's, he's called in the wisest of the wise. And how they can do, because they duplicate the first two, the blood in the Nile and the frogs, they duplicate that. And you get the feeling, though, of where this is going right from the very beginning because, you know, Aaron takes his rod, throws it down, becomes a snake, right? And so these, these wise guys, they do the same thing. How do they do that? I don't know. Did they have a snake up their sleeve? Did they, were they, was this dark art? Was this demonic? I have no idea. But they do what Aaron did. They all have snakes going. But you get a sense of where this is going because just right after that, but Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. So that tells me that Aaron's rod is really a fat rod by now, but it also says, more importantly, that God Almighty is in charge of this whole thing. And so they duplicate, they can duplicate the, the blood in the Nile, and they duplicate the frogs, but when they get to the lice or the, or, or the skeeters or the gnats or whatever it was, they can't duplicate that one. In fact, this is what it says. It says, now the magicians so worked their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice on men and beasts. The magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. I love it when, when uh, people who, who you know, have no faith or are far from faith or whatever like that, and, and they have to admit, wait a minute, this is, this is only God can do this. And that's what's going on here. These guys could duplicate all these other things, but when they get to number three, it's like, you can't do that one, Pharaoh, sorry. This is the finger of God. All right, let me interrupt this sermon with one nagging issue. As I've been reading through Exodus, um, and, and maybe, maybe you never think this way, so maybe this is just my issue, and so if it is, I apologize. But often when I'm reading the Bible, I try to put myself in, in the good guy's uh, role. For example, I like to think of myself like if Jesus came to me and I was sitting in a tax collector booth like Matthew, that, that Jesus says, come and follow me, I'd say, all right, goodbye tax collector booth, I'm following Jesus. Or, or like even the crazy guy in, in Mark chapter five, remember him, Jesus goes across the, the lake and there's this crazy guy living in a cemetery and no one can control him and Jesus rescues him, transforms him, makes him and he says, Jesus, I wanna follow you, I wanna follow you and Jesus says to him, no, 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 listen bud, why don't you go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and, and the mercy he's shown you and they say, okay, right, yeah, okay. I want, to be, I want to be even like him. Or like the four guys, remember, in Luke that brought their friend to Jesus and dug the hole in the roof and lowered him down, you know, and Jesus saw, looked up and saw their faith. That's what the Bible says, saw their faith, you know, and the guy was forgiven and he walked away. I, you know, I, I, I like putting myself in the good guy's shoes, but too often I find myself acting more like the ones that aren't so great. Like Jeremiah, right? The weeping prophet. I can be a big crybaby too, just like little Conrad. Or Jonah, right? You could, God does all these things and you're sitting pouting because you didn't get exactly your way. Or even James and John, remember? They wanted to have, let me have the best seat in heaven, Jesus. And I hate it, I hate it, I hate it when it seems like I'm more like, I'm more like the Pharisees than I am like Jesus. So in this story, Am I more like Moses or am I more like Pharaoh? 
Oh, pastor, you'd never be like Pharaoh. You don't own any slaves, and I haven't seen you build a pyramid yet. No, I know, I know, I know. But what do we know about Pharaoh? Well, we know a few things about him. We know he didn't care for the message from God, nor did he care for the messenger, Moses. Right? He, 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 he had little regard for that. Do we ever do that? Oh, that preacher, he's out in left field. You know what he said, blah, 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 blah. The Bible doesn't say that. Let me tell you what the Bible really says, blah, 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 blah. There is very little regard for God's word today. So many people hold low regard in the message of God or the messengers of God. Help us, Lord. And Pharaoh, Pharaoh thought his agenda was more important than God's agenda, Right? Moses comes to him, let my people go. Not Moses' people, God's people, let my people go. He says, no, are you kidding me, Moses? I've got an empire to build. I've got pyramids to build. And a million slaves, you're just gonna have me have a million slaves just walk out of here? No, or you're crazy. Do we ever do that? Our agenda over God's agenda? Our work over what God would have us do? Oh, I'm going to step on some toes, cover them. Our kids' sports over, over spending time with God? Oh, if I didn't step on your toes then, here it comes. Our summer over against what God would have us do? Our agenda, our wants, our wishes, our ways over what God, what we know, this, I'm not, what we know God wants us to do. See, that's what's going on here with, Moses, with, with Pharaoh. Pharaoh continually broke his promises. I mean, we all know God's a promise keeper. Pharaoh's a promise breaker. Okay, you can go, then, pff, nope, change my mind. Oh, okay, you can go, nope, pff, change your mind. Do you ever do that? God, if you do this and this and this for me, then I'll do that. What's that called? Foxhole Christians, right? You've heard that. People in the foxholes. God, if you save me out of this terrible situation, then I'll serve you forever. And I think those promises are often broken. God, you get me out of this one, then I'll do that. And then whenever God does work and God moves uh, miraculously, then you forget all about that promise you made. How many of us are like that? We promptly forget. My dad used to say, talk is cheap. It's what you do, not what you say. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, he also, so he not only doesn't listen to God, he, his agenda is over God's and he continually breaks his promises. Even when he acknowledges his sin, he promptly sins some more. You know, how many of us have ever said, okay, I'm sorry, God. Uh, you're right, that, that was wrong, that was bad. That, I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have done I'll never do that again. Never, 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 never. That was a bad thing. Never, 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 never do it. Only the next week, find yourself doing the very thing that you promised you would never do again. Pharaoh does that. In chapter 8, right, verse 28, he even tells Moses, pray for me. The, the, the King James, New King James Version says, intercede for me. Intercede for me, Moses. Pray for me, Moses. If I had a dollar for everyone that said, pray for me, Pastor, pray for my marriage. Pray for my kids. Pray for my, my sickness. And then often, too often, uh, maybe often isn't the right word, occasionally, those same people that, that say, pray for me, pray for my marriage, pastor, 
They continue to act self-centeredly and they wonder why their marriage isn't working out. Pray for my kids, pastor. They continue to, to, to model before their kids ungodliness or self-centeredness and they wonder why their kids are ungodly and self-centered. You know, pray for my sickness, pastor, and you pray and God works and then they, they forget all about it. That's what's going on here with Pharaoh. But I think too often we, we, we fall into the same thing. And of course, the big deal with Pharaoh, right? He, you know, we mentioned it. He had slaves. He, he was building an empire. He was building empire. We don't do that. No, we don't. But do we take advantage of people? Do we overlook people? Do we think that, that we're better than someone else because of our education or our race or where we're from or what we're doing? There was a theologian, uh, I don't agree with everything this theologian said, Pierre Teilhard de la Chargin, and he said, the way we treat people is the way we treat God. And I think there's a lot of truth in that, right? Do we take advantage? Do, do we take advantage over against other people? Does the, the systems that we participate in take advantage over other people? Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, you know, I don't know. We all like $5 t-shirts, but do we think that maybe these $5 t-shirts are being made by children in, in Bangladesh who are working in a sweatshop? And we all like our coffee. Oh, please don't step on my toes over coffee. We all like our coffee, but are, they being, are those coffee beans being picked by people who are making 2 or $3 a day as they pick those coffee beans for a 50-day season, and that's their income, income for the entire year. And why are apples more expensive, or, or, or why are bananas less expensive than apples? Because apples are picked in Michigan, and the workers are getting paid at least minimum wage, and bananas are picked in Panama, where they're getting three or four dollars a day. Well, Pastor, what can I do about that? It's like when my mom used to tell me, you know, you eat your, clean up your plate because, you know, they're starving children in China. And I remember thinking, well, what do they care if I eat my peas or not? They're not going to be helped if I eat my peas. But I think the point, the point my mom was making, the point I'm trying to make, is that change happens first with awareness. We need to be aware that other people are in this world that don't take, have the same advantages that we have. That's one of the reasons why we took our boys on mission trips. We took them to El Salvador. Uh, we took them to Jordan. We took them there. We were living at the time, when we lived in Kansas, you wouldn't think of this, but uh, the county we lived in in Kansas, Johnson County, was the fifth most affluent county in the country. And so my kids went to school, you know, some of the, his 16-year-old classmates were driving nicer cars than I drove, you know, it was just, you know, they were, it was very affluent. And so we thought, how are we going to combat that? And the way we decided we were going to combat that so that they would see that not everyone has the same things that they have is to take them on some of these mission trips. So we went to El Salvador, we went to Jordan. The cool story about the Jordan trip is that was an expensive trip. The church wasn't paying for us to go, or they paid for my way, but they didn't pay for, you know, Carlin the boy's way. And it was expensive, it was like 3,300 bucks. And so, so we, we talked about that and finally Carla said, you know, let's, let's go, let's just go. And so I told them, you know, the last day, yes, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna leave the trip, Carla and the boys are gonna go with us. And after I told them, like three days later, Carla said, do you realize that's gonna cost us $10,000? 
And I said, yeah, 3,300 times three, you know, $10,000. Where are we going to get $10,000? I said, I don't know. The Lord's going to provide that. Kyla worked for an insurance guy. She was more, she wasn't selling insurance. She's more like a girl Friday. But once in a while, she'd sell a policy. And she sold a policy, and, and her commission was like $10,200. So she, it paid for our way, the kids' way, their way to Panama, and she bought a pair of boots. So <laughs> it was all good. But we did that. We, it was worth it. The, the Gildners are all going to Panama, their whole family, um, in part from generosity of others. And it's, I, I can't encourage that enough to recognize for our, our, our kids, our young people, to, to realize that there are other people in the world that love Jesus but don't have the same advantages that we have. And Pharaoh, he just absolutely refused to see. Obviously, he, there was oppression going on. Obviously, he's a slave. He's had these million slaves, and he's a, the, the most powerful man in the world. But he didn't see it. He didn't recognize what he was doing to other human beings, those pe- created in the image of God. But God did. If you go back, if you go back to chapter 3 on page 10, I think it is, in the journal, this is what, what God says. And this is the exact progression of way things go. For it says this in verse 7, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of the taskmasters, and I know their sorrows, and I have come down to deliver them. If you're using your journal, I would encourage you, circle the word. It, here's how it be, works. It begins with seeing, I have surely seen, when you see people, and I have heard their cry, then you hear them. You take time to listen to what they're going through. I know their sorrows. It becomes knowledge. It, comes, it, it, it starts eating at you. And then the final step, I have come down. I take action. That's, that's the way of God. That needs to be our way. So, so when we see uh, uh, problems in the world and, and struggles, you don't have to go to Panama. You can drive through Flint. You need to, sometimes I think it's good for us to take a little prayer journal walk or ride through Flint and start praying over our city. We pray all the time. We want your kingdom to come and your will to be done in Flint where it is in heaven. It begins by seeing the people that live around us. It begins hearing some of their stories. It begins getting that deep in you and start crying out to God. And then it takes action to see change. That's what happens. That's what's going on here. That's what God does. The Bible tells us that God loves the entire world. Amen. That means everybody in the world. That means even people that are doing things they shouldn't be doing. You know what? God loved me when I was doing things I shouldn't have been doing. You know what else? God still loves me when I continue to do. Sometimes God reprimands me. Sometimes God says, Rob, you big knucklehead. I told you this and you're doing that. I so, I, how could you overlook that and not see that? That's a way of God's love. That's what God is doing here. Pharaoh didn't see it. But I guess the most obvious thing about Pharaoh, 12 times in the book of Exodus, we're told that his heart was hardened. Pharaoh had a hard heart. Now, theologians have battled back and forth because there are passages like in chapter 9, I think it's on, I don't know what page it's on, 34, 36, 38, there it is. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. 
And I think Pharaoh's PR team has, you know, tried to spin it and say, well, poor Pharaoh, man, the poor guy. What could he do? The Lord hardened his heart. You can't blame Pharaoh. The Lord hardened his heart. But before that, in 8.15, in 8.15 it says this, but when Pharaoh saw that, there, this is when the frogs were coming, but when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, the frogs all went away, he hardened his heart and did not heed them as the Lord had said. Pharaoh hardened his own heart. In chapter 7, over and over again, we're told that Pharaoh hardens his own heart. And how sad it is to encounter someone with a hard heart. And you've done it, so have I. You know, or someone you love that has a hard heart. Let me just say, that's not the Savior's heart. Remember the story when Jesus is going through, through uh, the town of Nain and there's a funeral going on? And the Bible says in Luke chapter 7 that, that Jesus' heart went out to that mother who had lost her son. Jesus could have kept on walking past that funeral. There were other funerals that took place during his three-year ministry. Jesus didn't raise everybody from the dead, but he saw that situation and that brokenhearted mother and his heart went out to her. That's the Savior's heart. Pharaoh's heart grew harder Is your heart more like Pharaoh's or like Jesus? I don't think Pharaoh's heart instantly became hard because it says he hardened his heart. So I think at some point it wasn't as hard as what it eventually got. And it seemed like with each plague, it got harder and harder and harder and harder. And I know people that that's the way it's gone with them as well. They repeatedly ignore God's voice. They repeatedly do things that they know are not pleasing to God. They repeatedly take action that they know is the wrong action. And their heart gets harder and harder and harder until until God, we believe in God's prevenient grace that is calling and continues to call. But I think when our hearts get harder and harder and harder, We just keep walking away and walking away and walking away. And Jesus is saying, Rob, Rob, Rob. Our hard heart has put it so that we can barely hear. He's still calling. But our hard hearts make it so it's so difficult. Is your heart like Pharaoh's or like Jesus? That's what we're talking about. But I think there's some here, if you were super honest, you would say, you know what? I sense my heart, my heart is getting harder. I don't know why, I just, I'm just there. I don't respond the way I used to respond. I can walk by situations that should grieve me and I'm unmoved, I'm unfazed by suffering. I don't wanna be that way. And maybe you're new to faith, or maybe you've been at this a long time, but you sense your heart just isn't where it could be, should be. God would have it to be. Put in me a new heart. Take out that heart of stone and put in a soft, moldable heart of flesh that is eager, willing, ready to say yes to you.